0: This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act, so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Riewicz.
1: Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and today's episode is called How to Build the Resilience to Reach Any Summit You Choose. My guest today is Jen Drummond, who has chosen to reach many summits, so many, in fact, that she's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Jen Drummond is a mom of seven, a successful business owner, and the first woman to climb the second highest summits on each of the seven continents. That's her world record. Jen now inspires others to create a thriving business and lasting legacy of their own. She shares her story and strategies for success in her forthcoming book, Breakproof: Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals. She also has a great podcast called Seek Your Summit. And you also can connect with Jen and learn through a variety of programs and signature talks. Jen elevates devoted and determined entrepreneurs to go beyond a life of success to a life of significance. Jen Drummond, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show.
2: Hey, thank you for having me today. Super excited to be here.
1: Yeah, very happy to have you. Your story, wow. Uh, when I got to know you a little bit and dug into your backstory, I was blown away. You have an amazing uh amazing backstory let's let's hear it
2: yeah right so I took a job in finance and was that boring person seeking success I hired myself out of a job so that I could be a stay-at-home mom and then I plateaued for a bit if I had to be honest I kind of felt I always had to be on call for my kids if something happened even when they're at school and so I was like, okay, I'll get back to me once they're in college. But right now this is just the season of motherhood and this is where I'm at. Well, a car accident happened on December 18 of 2018. That should have taken my life and didn't. And I will tell you that it woke me up to living. And I realized, Mm -hmm. man, I do not get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And am I making choices that is living? And I really wasn't like, I was really kind of stagnant. And so 2019 became this year of the bucket list. All of a sudden I was less concerned about what everybody said. Cause I'm like, you're going to die someday too, whatever. <laughs> I was more concerned about what happens if this is my last decade or year or month or week of life. Like, am I doing things that leave a mark? And so I'm building this bucket list. I'm probably going to take four lifetimes to ever complete it, but that's okay. Okay. And 2020 was coming around the corner and I was turning 40 in 2020. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something on this list for my 40th birthday to launch my next decade and climb a mountain stood out. Mm -hmm. And so I live in Park City. There's mountains all the way around. I have friends that are big into mountaineering. I said, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what mountain would you climb? And the general consensus back was a mountain named Ama de Blom. And mm-hmm. anybody listening here, if you've seen a Paramount Pictures movie, you've mm-hmm. seen the mountain on with the blonde because it's in their logo that all the stars circle around. And it also means the mother's necklace. I'm like, oh, it's perfect. Like I'm going to climb on with the blonde. Sounds great. And so I start training and the universe has a different plan for me because COVID enters the scene.
3: Mm-hmm. And now instead
2: of traveling to go climb some mountain, I'm a homeschool teacher to seven children because all our schools shut down. Mm hmm. And in this, my son is struggling with his math homework. So I'm giving him the proverbial parent pep talk, like, we do hard things. You've got this, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I'm a dumb blonde, honey. Not I'm a dumb blonde. Yes. Cute. (laughs) Cute. Finish your homework. We'll look at Everest. So he did, and we did, and he went to bed, and I was still looking at Everest, and I was like, you know what? Like, if Everest is the hardest mountain in the whole world to him, I'm going to climb it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to show him that whatever our hardest mountain is, physical or metaphorical, we can climb it. Mm -hmm. So I call a coach. The coach is like, yes, I can get you ready by all means. And he ships me a book about becoming an uphill athlete. Mm
3: -hmm. So I'm
2: reading this book, and in the front of it, there's a foreword of a lady who got a Guinness world record for doing something in the Alps. And -hmm. the day that my coach called and we're talking about this book, I'm like, I could have done that. Like I could have gotten that Guinness world record. Like she suffered. I can suffer. Like I'm good at suffering. I have seven children. Say no more. (laughs) And uh, he goes, well, we'll think of something. I'm like, okay, fine. We can think of something, but just know I'm not growing pumpkins. I'm not speed eating hot dogs. I'm not interested in doing like, there's weird (laughs) Guinness world records out there, right? There's (laughs) some really, really weird ones. So I'm like, I'm not really into that. So he's like, no big deal. A few weeks later, he calls me back and he's like, Jen, I have the perfect world record for you. I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summits. And like everybody listening here, I was like, what? The seven, seven huh? Like, it sounds like a tongue twister. And he's like, listen, yeah. listen, listen. He goes, the seven second summits are the second highest point on each of the seven continents. It's actually harder than the first seven. And it's mm-hmm. only been done by one male. So you'd oh, be wow. the first female to do it. And seven mountains, seven continents, seven children. It sounds like a jackpot. Like, kind of does. So I looked at it and I thought about it. Like ever since my car accident, I like kind of lived by the motto of do hard things, inspire others, and explore the world. And this Mm -hmm. did all of it. So Mm -hmm. I said yes. I hadn't slept in a tent before, but those were details we'd figure out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And and so, which one first? Which one last? Tell us. uh, Tell us a little bit more about achieving yeah. this amazing thing,
2: this pursuit. So I did ama yeah. de Blom first. And yeah. mainly what was happening was, is I was starting to climb when COVID was starting to disappear. So mm-hmm. a lot of the beginning climbs were based on what countries were open, right? Mm-hmm. Because not everybody was open in the beginning. And then yeah. also different mountains are climbed at different times of the year. Right. So for example, you always see summits of Everest in May, or you always see summits of K2 in July. So I was climbing as fast as a country would open that it was safe to climb that mountain during that time frame. So my mm-hmm. first mountain was in South America, Ojos del Salado. It was a volcano. It was a pretty, I mean straight I mean it was high, but it was a pretty straightforward climb. It was more of a hike than anything else. So it was a great starting mountain. My second mountain was Mount Kenya in Africa, which is a rock climb. So you're in rock shoes and a harness and you're racing the clock because Mount Kenya's at the equator. So you have exactly 12 hours of light. And when you're climbing mountains like that, you really want to be in the light um, as much as possible. So that was a big undertaking. I had to do a lot of training for that because I really wasn't a rock climber before, but got Mm -hmm. the skills and time to do that. Then I went to Everest. So I did the Everest. And Everest was training ground for me for K2 because K2 is a beast and Everest is big, but Everest is much kinder and gentler than its cousin K2. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to attempt K2 in 2021. I didn't summit. Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, I had a horrible experience. Um, yeah, we were on the mountain, got the radio call. And when you get a radio call on the mountain, you have 15 minutes to kind of call back because they're typically expecting you to be in a spot. That's not very easy to take a phone call. We got another call and we got another call and we got another call. So we got four calls in about five minutes. Which oh, wow. sends your heart into your throat. Like, what's going on? Why did this happen? Da-da-da-da-da. And I handed the radio over to the porters. The porters are talking in Pakistani. I'm trying to watch their facial expressions to understand what's happening. They hand me the phone and or the the radio. And in broken English, they're like, Rick's dead, Jordy's stuck, Stefan broke his leg. There's been an avalanche. We can't send a helicopter to rescue the guy that's stuck until it's colder out because the vibration of the blades would, could cause another avalanche and have problems. Um, so guys these guys
1: haven't... are part of your group or out ahead of you or you
2: we were ahead of everybody. So the interesting thing about K2 is if you draw a mountain, it looks like a triangle, right? Mm-hmm. That's typically what a kid will draw. K2 is probably the most representative representative mountain of a triangle, right? So there wasn't a lot of places to put campsites on K2 and they didn't have a lot up. So there wasn't going to be enough for our whole team to stick together. And I was like, okay, I'll go higher. I'll skip camp one and I'll go to camp two. And then we'll always be a day ahead of you. And that will free up a whole tent for everybody. And so they're Mm -hmm. like, okay. So we were up a day ahead of them and then got the call. And the crazy thing is, is like when you first go to one of these big mountains, so Everest, K2, whatever, you hear avalanches all the time. Like at first it's intimidating, but then after a while, it's like living in a bowling alley or a thunderstorm. Like you don't even think of it. Like you hear of them, but it doesn't register. And that day, one of the avalanches took um, a teammate and injured another one. And I was on the mountain and we had like, at that point you have to decide, are you going to continue up or are you going to go down? And I had another team catch up to us and they're like, so the porters were talking and then somebody starts yelling my name, like Jen, Jen, do you want to go up? I remember thinking like, do I want to go up? No, I don't want to go up. Like my teammate just died. Like, I don't want to summit this mountain and have this be my memory for the rest of my life. And my team needs me. So I just remember saying people over peaks, like I'm going down and taking care of my people. So I changed my climbing devices, climbed down the mountain, ended up burying a human, right? Which was never in my realm of possibility. Um, Helped an injured person get on a heli evacuation, packed up camp. Headed home, and I remember my kids coming home from camp a couple of days later because I got home a little early with uh, everything that happened. And they're like, "Did you summit? Did you summit?" I said, "No, I didn't, but I had success." And yeah. they looked at me like, "What do you mean?" And I told them like, "You know what? Who we show up as people is way more important than anything we'll ever achieve." Yeah. And I'm proud of the person that I showed up as a teammate got injured, another one passed away, and I decided to put people in front of the peak. And I'm okay with that. My kids looked at me like, okay, you know, I don't, they'll fully registering. I think someday when they're older, they'll be like- Oh,
1: someday, yeah. Yeah, someday we'll That's a powerful, that is a powerful lesson, right? And it, it, you know, that's a really good segue to something I wanted to dig into, and it's a line in your bio about going beyond a life of success to a life of significance. I'd love for you to elaborate on that, elaborate on that distinction between how you define success versus how you define significance.
2: Yeah. So like that story right there was success to me, right? Like it was, I showed up as a person I'm proud of. I took care of the people, the mountain will always be there. I had to go back to climb K2. K2 is part of the record. You can't skip K2. So when I had to go back in 2022, you know, it's more money, it's more time, it's more training. It's all these things. And I'm like, why did I, like, why did this happen to me? Why did it have to, you kind of have that victim mentality. Like why me, why me, why me? And then I got a phone call about three weeks before it was time to go back to K2. And It was a Pakistani individual that was looking to climb their country's prized peak and didn't have the resources to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm coming back. I can bring some stuff over. No problem, blah, 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 blah. And so I go to K2 in 2022. I climb the mountain and become the third American female to stand on its summit. And then 30 minutes later, the first Pakistani female stands on top of our country's prized peak. And oh. the first Muslim female to stand mm-hmm. on top of that prized peak, and I have twin daughters that are 10. So I know firsthand how important it is for these little girls to see somebody that looks like them in environments that maybe they air quotes don't belong, right? Mm-hmm. And it just starts that curiosity of what else maybe Do I need to question that maybe I belong in that I didn't think I did before? Maybe this is possible that I didn't think was before. And I really feel a lot of us are on our pursuits. We're climbing our mountains metaphorically and we run into roadblocks. We run into failure. We run into setbacks. And in those setbacks, we have a chance to like learn, right? What can we do better? What went wrong? What happened? And then we pursue our pursuit again. And -hmm. when we go back, this time the universe used me for so much more right like it's great yeah. that i summited right that's a that's a fabulous success but that became significant when it empowered another individual to do the same thing
1: yeah i was going to say that that transformation from learning and serving yourself to yeah. teaching and serving right. others is is yes. really what you're getting at here and and, and it's such a powerful idea such a powerful idea
2: no and you're like you're humbled when it happens right because the funny thing about I mean not funny but the thing about mountaineering is so many people view it as such a selfish sport right Mm -hmm. like oh you're so like so many people like you have seven kids you're gonna go climb these mountains like how selfish are you blah 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 blah. and I'm like you know what I'm alive when I'm on those mountains I'm training right next to my kids who are training for their sports teams. We're sharing stories about how we don't want to train today and we don't want to eat healthy today. We don't want to do that. Like we're doing life in parallel, right? So there's a level of respect of guess what? We have to do it because we signed up for this thing that requires Mm -hmm. us to do the little daily details. And it has been such a gift to my family, to myself, and in the way that I've been able to serve the world in ways that I didn't even know existed prior. I'm mm-hmm. beyond grateful for the pursuit.
1: Yeah, and and now you are serving the world. You're, you're taking this work that you've done yourself, the mountains you've summited yourself, and you're turning it into work that you do with others to help them build resistance and to reach their summits, whatever they may yeah. be, their metaphorical summits, their literal summits. And yeah. tell us a little bit more about that work, the transition from climbing seven mountains to working with other others to climb their mountains
2: yeah so it like it happened at a lunch meeting with a friend so i'm halfway through the climbs at this point and he's asking me questions like tell me about this or tell me about this and so i'm running him through like some of the scenarios he's like i don't even like mountaineering and this is fascinating to me and a few weeks later he calls me he's like you know i keep thinking about that story where sometimes you need to climb down to climb up and I can't tell you how much that's benefited me over this last week. I think you should write a book he was I really do. And he was an author, and so for him to write a book, it's easy. For me to write a book, I'd rather climb every mountain in this world if I had to be honest <laughs> right. with you. But I didn't know at the time. I was like, write a book, fill it, like go get dessert. Like it was, re- it was so cavalier and how it was presented. And I'm like, uh-huh. sure, I'll do this thing. And so uh, the book came about, and what I do is I I take each of the seven summits, I take the reader on the expedition, and then we extract a lesson from that particular mountain Mm -hmm. that they can apply to their own lives, and then become more resilient in their pursuits and understand that if there's a break, right, the book's called Break Proof, that's Mm -hmm. the proof. That's the proof that this is what's working. This is what isn't working. This is what you need to fix to be able to continue on that pursuit. Or mm-hmm. maybe you're at that point where you're like, guess what? I got this far down and I realized this isn't even the mountain I want to climb. All mm-hmm. right, fine. Pack your bag up, go do another thing. That's that's okay. You're allowed to yeah. pivot.
1: Yeah. So, it's an opportunity, um, not a not a reason to quit.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's how the book came about. And it's been such a gift because now I'm hired by organizations to talk about it, to teach it, to coach it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's fun to have your own aha moment. But when you see that aha moment happen in another human, you're like, that's the win.
1: Yeah. I'll take yep.
2: that all day long.
1: The book is being released, published in January, 2024. We're recording yep. now in October, 2023. And it is available for pre-sale. So where can someone go to to pre-buy, to pre-order the book?
2: Yeah. So Amazon, Amazon amazon.com. You can type in Jen Drummond, just do two N's. So J-E-N-N Drummond, or even my website, jendrummond.com. And it has a link to buy it at your favorite book retailer. But yeah, Yeah. so we're we're in pre-sales now doing a lot of the free fun freebies when people order early and It's been fun hearing everybody's story. There's so many people pursuing things. I like, I get to be all excited every time I do a Zoom call. I'm like, ah, so Ah, That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned the freebies. How does someone go about getting the freebies, the bonuses that come with pre-ordering the book?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you pre-order, then on the website, you'll put in your name, you'll put in the order number and your email address, and that will trickle off a set of emails that open up the doors to a whole bunch of things.
1: Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And um, so I don't want you to to... Do too much spoil, uh too many spoilers. Yeah. But can you share maybe one or two of the principles that, that you said there are seven principles, seven peaks, but uh could you share with us a little bit of what you're gonna uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna learn if you buy the book?
2: Okay. So one of them that we talk about in the book is big mountains take big teams. Um mm-hmm. and it was interesting when I went to go climb Everest. My biggest fear was like my kids, like, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Like, how are they going to survive for three or four weeks if I'm gone that long? And so I lined up all this help at home. And then I went to the kids school. I told the teachers like, hey, I'm going to be gone. Do you think you could like give my kids a little bit of extra grace? I'm guessing at some point it's going to be hard for them. And the teacher came back and she's like, why don't we do a what's your Everest campaign? So you'll come in, teach the kids about setting an Everest goal and they could track me while I was climbing. So we had a big Mount Everest in their classroom and then Maya's a little hiker and they moved me up and down with what was going on. And I got to the mountain and Everest has like scary things, okay? Like there's stuff on there that was overwhelming. But when you know you have this, One team on the mountain that's supporting you. And then you have this team at home that's supporting you. All of a sudden you're pulling energy from all these sources and you can do so much more. Mm -hmm. And anytime that I was getting tired on the mountain, there was Sherpa there to help carry the load. Mm -hmm. And I realized like so many of us are taking on these huge Everest type goals by ourselves. We do not have enough people to bring us to the summit. And so we get exhausted or worn out or turn around prematurely. And so one of the things I ask you in the book is say, okay, if you want to quit right now, if you're tired right now, if you're whatever, do you have enough people on your team Mm -hmm. to really get to the finish line? Because I think like, that's just a key principle. That's been so key for me, when I'm taking on things. I'm like, oh, I need more people. We'll it's, a,
1: it's such a valuable lesson Jen especially for entrepreneurs who have this tendency to want to dive in themselves they want to you know the they want to be the achiever they want to make the hay they want to run the business and and the ones who are most successful are the ones who delegate to others the things that they shouldn't do themselves that they're not able to do themselves that's not an act of surrender that's a that's a smart move and it's a it's a really great parable your story for that point i think And especially. i love
2: that you say this word surrender just now because um yeah. surrender interesting enough i was introduced to the surrender experiment book about mm. 2 months before my car accident and so mm-hmm. for this 2 months I'm journaling and coming to terms with the word surrender because mm-hmm. for the longest time I was like it's a weakness, it's quitting, it's all these negative things. Mm-hmm. And then when you really start to dissect the word and understand it's truly a superpower if mm-hmm. you can utilize it that way. And I almost feel like the universe was saying, "Okay, you get it." at a at a, a thinking level. When mm-hmm. I push you into the living it, are you going to truly be able to do it? And I remember when this car accident happened and I'm watching the trailer of the semi and it's about to clip the passenger headlight of my my car. Mm. And I watch it in that second. I'm like, if I don't surrender, there's no way I'm going to outrun, outspeed, out control this vehicle. It's my mm. only chance of living. And i put my hands on the steering wheel. I put my head on my headrest. And I literally just breathe and like I have to stay calm and just surrender to the car. And I mm. went end over end three times and started doing these sideways rolls till I burned off all the energy. And the police called, like they called a few weeks after the accident and said, We can't build a scenario where you live, let alone
3: mm. walk away.
2: And mm. I'm like, I'm telling you, I read that book, Surrender. The universe tested <laughs> me to see if I really believed it. And here we are. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow crazy wow um, how about a how about a second principle and then we'll leave it to the uh we'll leave it to the audience to buy the book to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah right. yeah so like the we'll bring it to the next mountain so i fail k2 and i go to climb in russia okay and this is in september of 2021 so things aren't fabulous with russia but they're not at the state that they are right now mm-hmm. and i have to curate all this perfect gear to climb mm-hmm. because it's a pretty technical climb So you want gloves that you have dexterity and can feel, but you also need gloves that keep you warm. So for example, I ordered 20 pairs of gloves, sent 19 pairs back for like this perfect pair that I found. And I did this with like everything, socks, pants, jackets, whatever. I wanted everything to fit just so, so that I could be lean and mean on the mountain. I land in Moscow and my bags aren't there. I'm like, Oh, what do you mean my bags Uh... aren't there? And so they're like, we're trying to find my bags. They're like, we can't even, we can't, we have no clue. Like, we don't know if they're in Paris or Amsterdam or like, we have no idea where your bags are, but they're not here. And the Russian guide comes over and he's like, listen, the window to climb is right now. Weather's coming in. So we either go to the mountain now, or you're going to, you should just go home because we're not waiting for your stuff. We'll have to go to a rental store. And I'm saying like, if I hear one more airport intercom, I'm going to kill somebody. So I guess we're going to go to a rental store. So we go to the rental store, but I don't know about you during COVID, but it seemed like the entire world embraced the outdoors. Uh So we show up at this rental store. They have like no inventory, right? Nobody's shipping anything to refuel inventory either, right? Like Uh everything's back ordered forever. And so I am like this hodgepodge mess of a jacket that I have to roll the sleeves, a backpack that I have to tie so it doesn't fall off a shoulder, boots that are too big, like all the things. And I said wow. to myself, you know what? We're not going to summit. That's okay. Anything I collect while I'm out on the mountain is going to be beta for me to come back and do it better next season. Because mm-hmm. the climbing season is August and September. And so I'm like, you know, I just kind of surrendered to that thought and just like we were climbing and climbing and we by the grace of the universe summit. And like, there's some stuff that goes on during the summit, but we don't need to talk about that forever. And like, I start coming down the mountain and my toes are jamming into the front of these boots. So there's sections of this mountain that I am like scooting on my butt so I can give my toes a break because I definitely Mm -hmm. broke two of them. And it's just this lesson of imperfect starts. Like just allowing it to be imperfect and seeing what happens and allowing it to unfold the way that it did. And I'm so glad we did because guess what? Six months later, Russia closed and it's still closed. I wouldn't be able to climb that mountain and I wouldn't have the record right now because I'd be waiting for it to open. And I think there's so much in our own lives that we want it to look a certain way. We have an idea of what it's gonna be like in our head. And when it doesn't start matching that, we start losing momentum and getting cranky and selling ourselves that this isn't meant to happen. I yeah. but scooted down the second highest point in Europe, friends. Yeah. No one asks you about that in the record book. They just ask you if you it got it. <laughs> it doesn't
1: you, matter. It doesn't matter. on that summit. You know, first of all, you you talked about how difficult the the notion of writing a book was, and and the process is difficult. I have to say that. First of all, I understand that, and I give you the room to to feel that. Uh, at the same time, I'm struck by your ability to turn a phrase, and and I'm excited to read the book because you have a way with language that maybe you don't even realize. And and the the phrase that really struck me was um, you use the verb gather. Everything that I gather on that mountain will be beta for next time. And that idea alone, that metaphor is so powerful that even when things are going drastically wrong and not aligned with whatever the plan was, and you even think, well, it's not going to turn out as I'd hoped, I'm not going to reach the summit, you're gathering things that are valuable and that are going to instruct and help you reach you know that that notion of beta state are going to help you reach something beyond and i it's such a great lesson and and i love the way that you you described it and i just can't wait to to read the book
2: well, great. Thank you. We'll send you a copy. <laughs> so, okay. perfect. Sounds good.
1: So, <laughs> yes. uh, so Jen, any other thoughts uh, before we call it a day? This is uh, this has been a great conversation and, and I hope that everybody who's watching or listening is fired up about your story and wants to hear more.
2: Yeah, no, um, I'm just grateful to be here and share it. We all have stories inside of ourselves
3: mm-hmm. and it's
2: reading others that we sometimes discover our own. So I really hope that everybody listening here is thinking of ways to live out their truth and their pursuit because we all benefit when everybody owns their individuality and has the courage to become resilient and bringing that to the world.
1: Yeah, amen, amen. And where can people find you?
2: Yeah, so check out jendrummond.com. That's my website. It has all my social media handles there. So if you have a platform of preference, reach out, say hello, please connect. You can buy the book there. You can join a challenge. You can just say hi.
1: Beautiful. JenDrumman.com. We're going to have all that, including the social media handles in uh, the show notes. And once again, I thank you, Jen, and those who are watching, who are listening. I thank you for spending time with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, enjoyed what you saw, what you heard, please go to wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. Give us a five-star review and that way you're sharing the gift. You're letting other people know that this content is worth hearing. And I want lots of people to hear this interview because it's really valuable stuff that Jen shared with us. So go give it a five-star review. Visit StoryPowerMarketing.Show to see other episodes, show notes, get connections to the various platforms where you can uh, download and save these episodes. And then for all things Story Power Marketing, go to storypowermarketing.com, sign up for the email list, download free resources if you want to discover how to transform your content from prospect repelling to client retract client attracting not client retracting so jen drummond thank you so much i can't wait to read the book and to continue to follow your adventures i have a feeling that you are going to summit more mountains literally and figuratively and uh, i'll be following the journeys along the way thanks to you.
2: thank you
0: for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business-building resources and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources, To help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. And review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
3: Sometimes I find i